What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the 4040 Vision podcast. Before we jump into today's episode, let's hear a quick word from one of our presenting sponsors. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of 4040 Shorts from the 4040 Vision podcast. This is our short form format where we cover a sports topic in anywhere from 10 to 15 to even 20 minutes. Today's topic is the death of the superstar NFL running back. I know that sounds dramatic, but it was inspired by the fact that two of the best running backs in the NFL this offseason and Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs were not offered long-term contracts by their teams, or at least long-term contracts that they felt were indicative of the value that they brought to their teams. So both of these guys were franchise tagged by their respective teams and are currently in the middle of a holdout that we haven't quite gotten a training camp yet. But they are holding out for a better deal, but it doesn't seem like that's on the horizon. So there's a couple things that I saw, a couple stats, I should say, that I want to share that I got from Jarrett Bailey, an NFL reporter who's a friend of the podcast. Per spot track, running backs on average are earning less today than they did in 2005, even though the cap has gone up drastically in that 18-year period. Not only are they making less as a position group than in years past, the average running back now makes about 400000 less than the average kicker. I know that's a bit misleading because at most there's 32 starting NFL kickers. Teams don't usually carry a backup. So it's 32 starters against you know, 32 NFL running back starters, 32 backups, maybe another 32 third string guys. So it's 100 plus guys, many of which are making the veteran minimum or the minimum period. So it's a bit misleading, but the point still stands. This stat was a little crazier. In 2005, eight running backs made up 10% or more of their team's payroll, and no running back today makes up more than 5%. So that accounts for the cap going up. That accounts for everything else in, the, in between, and it shows that running backs are just not being valued anymore by NFL teams. So, of course, I want to talk about when this changed, but first let's talk a little bit about history and why I think things have changed. Back in the day running backs used to be the stars in the NFL, at least on offense, right? The quarterbacks were okay. They were kind of cool, but they all kind of looked the same. They're all six, five statuesque white guys that didn't really do much outside dropping back and making, you know, passes. I know I'm simplifying things, but now the quarterbacks are the cool ones, but running backs, they were the cool ones. They used to come in all shapes and sizes. They were big like Jerome Bettis, Mike Allstott, Earl Campbell, Jim Brown, even if you want to take it way back in the day, we had shifty guys like Barry Sanders and Walter Payton. We had versatile guys like Marshall Falk and Charlie Garner. So it was all kinds of, of superstar NFL running backs that just came in all shapes and sizes, and they were the cool ones. Of course, quarterbacks still sold a bunch of jerseys, but as a kid, I think it was easier or more often kids would pretend to be Barry Sanders, just anecdotally, right? Barry Sanders or Terrell Davis versus... I don't know, John Elway, Dan Marino, whatever. So the running backs are still like that. They still come in all shapes and sizes, but now it's the quarterbacks that look different. Now the quarterbacks are the cool ones. Now the quarterbacks are dynamic. Like I said, they all used to kind of look like Tom Brady. They're big, stoic white guys, all 6'4", 6'5", and they didn't run around much. And now they're the ones that come in different sizes and styles. I mean, think about the top quarterbacks in the NFL. You have Jalen Hurts, who's just over six foot, who's a really versatile athlete. You got Patrick Mahomes, of course, the best quarterback in the NFL now. 
He's a bigger dude, but he runs a lot. He has a lot of flair to his game that we didn't really see back in the day. And then you have on the outside looking in guys that were drafted in the top five or even number one recently, like Bryce Young, uh, Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, all guys that don't fit the traditional quarterback mold. I mean, they've varied in their levels of success, but the point still stands that these non-traditional looking guys were drafted early and they've been expected to lead teams. So aside from the cool factor, really, when did this change? Why did it change? One factor that are, is really out of the hands of the current batch of running backs, but it's just a reality that this became a factor, is that in recent years, some of the highest paid running backs in the NFL have just not lived up to these contracts. Two of the poster childs for this are Ezekiel Elliott on the Cowboys, who signed a seven-year, $70 million deal with the Cowboys and never lived up to it due to a combination of injury and performance and the fact that Dak Prescott was out for most of one season, so he didn't live up to it. But really, the probably the main poster child is Todd Gurley, who signed a six-year, almost $50 million deal with the Rams, and his knees started falling apart, and he, of course, never lived up to that contract. And shortly after getting rid of him, the Rams were able to win the Super Bowl with, I believe, Sony Michelle as their starting running back. And they even had C.J. Anderson on their team at one point. So it was just a rotating cast of no-name running backs on the Rams that were able to help them win the Super Bowl. And you've seen probably this graphic that's been going around about NFL teams and their highest paid uh, leading rusher making mostly under a million dollars a year. And of course, you can talk about the quarterbacks that were on these teams, but it, it does seem to be a fact that the less you pay your running back, you can still get production, you can still get replacement level value, but you won't pay him like a star. You can even get star level value without paying him like one. And we've seen recently guys like Le'Veon Bell who were probably the best running back in the NFL at one point. He was almost, I believe he was a first team all pro. He had a hundred plus catches, a thousand plus rushing yards. And even he wasn't able to get paid. Some of that may have been his attitude, but the Steelers basically drew a line in the sand and said, we're not going to pay you. And that has trickled down to every other team because they want to be like these winning teams. If you think about the new England Patriots, obviously they had Tom Brady. They had the greatest quarterback of all time. So they were able to cut costs on some of these other offensive positions, but they've tried. They've they've never paid a running back. They've drafted running backs high. I mean, they drafted Sonny Michelle, who I mentioned pretty high, I believe, as a first-round pick. They drafted Lawrence Maroney way back in the day. Another first-round pick didn't really pan out. But they've been able to kind of patch together these backfields with third-round, fourth-round, fifth-round, undrafted guys and still been able to win a Super Bowl. So part of that is the obvious, the evolution of the game, which we'll get into shortly. But a lot of it is also just because guys are just not living up to the contracts that they signed, the big contracts that they signed. Aside from the big contracts, the other thing is the obvious, and that is, of course, that the NFL has evolved from a really physical game where teams would basically run on first and second down and then throw on third down, maybe even run a play action if it's third and short. But now teams pass more than ever, and of course, as a result, they run less than ever before. It used to be an almost 50-50 split around the league, and the teams would always talk about balance and things this and that. 
Now it's 60-40 in favor of the pass, and half the league is at 60% passing or more. Now, as a result, you're seeing a lot more spread formations. You're seeing smaller players on the field, both on offense and, of course, on defense as a result. And because of that, we've seen running backs, their average carries per game has dropped significantly in the past few years. It was a pretty steady from 1990 to about 2010, 2015. Running backs would average anywhere from 22 to 24 carries a game. Now it's only about 16 to 18, but for some reason, and we'll talk about this a little bit, the percentage or the number of thousand yard rushers is about the same or even more than before. And I think the reason for that is because just like it's easier to pass because of the rule changes and the NFL making it you know, a, a safer thing to be a quarterback, they're protecting the QBs, you're not allowed to hold receivers or jam receivers in the way you used to, it's easier to run the ball for those same reasons because they're operating in space. They're operating in a lot more space against smaller guys who are less physically imposing. And I think as a result of that, running backs maybe don't have to be as good as they used to be to get 1,000 yards. There's also more opportunities. The average number of offensive plays in a game in the year 2000 to about 2005 was around 115, and now it's around 135. Now, that may not seem like a lot, but you know, 20 times 16, that's a lot. So you get a lot more chances to uh, either run or pass the ball. So as a result, your offense is going to be more productive. So just like quarterback, again, it's easier than ever to play running back, but they're also asked to do less than ever before. And that's why they're more easily replaceable. So you think about some of the guys that used to be workhorse backs back in the day and the amount of punishment that they used to take. Guys like, you know, Walter Payton, Marshall Falk, Emmett Smith. We even go in the 90s, talk about Chris Johnson, or sorry, the 2000s, like Chris Johnson, uh, Steven Jackson. All these guys, they used to be workhorse backs that used to have to do a lot against eight-man fronts, against loaded boxes, against gigantic linebackers that are you know, 270, 80 pounds with big old neck rolls. And now, as we said, it's a more quarterback-friendly, wide-open type league where running backs are operating in more space than ever. And that's why it's easier to get those thousand yards. You're also playing in 17 games versus 16 or even 14, if you want to take it back to the seventies, but you just don't have to be as good of a running back to get these yards because offenses or defenses, I should say, are geared up to pass or geared up for the pass. For the most part, most NFL teams run a two linebacker defense as their base defense, because they're geared up for teams to throw on first, second, and third down and running the ball almost becomes an afterthought. Maybe at some point in the future, NFL teams will counter this sort of wide open era by emphasizing the run game, but I think it would take a pretty massive paradigm shift in the league for this to happen. We've seen a couple teams do this in the past few years. You think about the Baltimore Ravens with Lamar Jackson being the heart of that running game. They've had moderate success in, in, the, in the playoffs. They have great regular season success, but not so much in the playoffs. Think about the Tennessee Titans. They're another team that been a great regular season team with Derrick Henry being the centerpiece of that offense. But aside from one run to the AFC championship, they've been kind of one and done in the playoffs. And most recently last year, the New York Giants were basically running the wing T offense with Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley, but they had a ceiling. And that was, of course, credit to them. They won a playoff game, but they had a ceiling to how far they would go. 
And in the interest of fairness, there were two other uh, great teams in the you know final four of the playoffs last year that had about a 50-50 split. And one was the Philadelphia Eagles, but that was with Jalen Hurts as their second leading rusher. And they kicked Miles Sanders to the curb in exchange for a couple other running backs that were cheaper and younger. And, of course, the other team is the San Francisco 49ers, who in that Shanahan offense are perhaps the biggest test case or use case for why you should not pay running backs because they've had a number of running backs. They've they've turned into stars in recent history, guys like Raheem Mostert, and they distribute the ball by running the ball with their receivers like Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. And, of course, Mike Shanahan, Kyle's dad, is famous for turning no-name running backs into superstars. I mean, Terrell Davis is a Hall of Famer, so we won't call him a no-name, but he turned him into a superstar. But he also had 1,000-yard seasons from guys like Mike Anderson or C.J. Anderson or Ruben Drones. And that Shanahan offense is known for turning guys into superstars who wouldn't be as successful anywhere else. So both of those teams, as I said, had a 50-50 split when it came to running and passing the ball, but for vastly different reasons. So they will definitely not be paying running backs anytime soon. So now it's officially a quarterback-centric league. It's officially a passing league. So it's natural that the guys who are most involved with that, with throwing the ball, like the quarterbacks, the receivers, the tight ends, and even the tackles who are a big part of uh, pass protection, are going to be paid more on offense than the running backs who – as we've said, are asked to do less than ever, maybe have less of a workload than ever before. So if you're only carrying the ball 16, 17, 18 times versus 20, 24, 30 times a game, then you're going to put your resources towards the guys who are involved with throwing and catching the ball. And then on defense, this is not a podcast about defense, but it's the same. The guys attacking the quarterback, those pass rushers, and the guys defending the pass, those DBs and stuff, they'll be paid more than anybody else on defense because that's just the evolution of the game. And honestly, I mean, it it sucks for the running backs because we want to see guys get paid. We want to see guys get paid their worth. And last year, the Raiders were heavily dependent on Josh Jacobs for any sort of offensive production, despite having some good players around him. The Giants, as we talked about, they won a playoff game. They were a pretty good team. And the focus of that offense was Saquon Barkley. But unfortunately, the fact that these guys get get beat up so often, get hurt so often, I've heard that being used as a positive argument in favor of paying them, but doesn't make sense because you're saying, well, these guys get hurt more, so we should pay them more. It's like from a a moral perspective, sure. From a human perspective, sure. You want to pay guys before they get hurt and you want to make sure that they have you know money to feed their family, so to speak. But from a football perspective, it doesn't make sense. Why would I pay somebody that I know is going to get hurt? Why am I going to pay somebody that is going to take a beating and after their first contract is just not going to be as productive as they were in their, in their first few years? It just doesn't make sense. So aside from some more radical ideas like uh, that I've heard in recent weeks, like not having running back contracts count against the cap or paying them more out of something called the performance based pay pool. I've never heard of this before until a week or so ago. 
But basically, it's a pool of money that's used to supplement the pay of certain players in the NFL each season whose play on the field outperforms their contract. So if you're a late round pick or an undrafted guy who ends up being a starter, or if you are a guy on a veteran minimum who plays like a pro bowl or an all pro, then you get paid a little bit more out of their out of that performance based play pool. And I've heard I forget his name, but he was a former NFL defensive back that said he made more. He was a third round pick in his rookie year. He made more from that performance pool than he did from his actual contract. So it'll be really fascinating to see what happens in the next five years as players and running backs and teams try to navigate this. But I think the lesson here for us fans, at least, is not to get attached to your favorite team starting running back, no matter how good he is, because even the NFL rushing champ who had, I think, 1,800 yards and had a almost a 300-yard game against the Seattle Seahawks is not getting paid the money that he thinks he deserves and a lot of the fans think he deserves. So that's it for our podcast. Thank you guys for checking us out. Let us know what you think. Is this a grave injustice against NFL running backs? Are NFL running backs being eclipsed by the coolness of quarterbacks and the usefulness and the versatility of quarterbacks that they're not getting paid what they should be? Please make sure to to subscribe, leave us a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. Make sure to follow us on all the major social media platforms at 4040 Vision Pod. Thanks, y'all. Peace out.